Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. This is an unplanned episode. I was watching a podcast this morning, and as soon as I find it, I'm happy to tag him on the title or anything else when I post this, but I was watching this podcast, and uh, he's a young dude, you know, so that's fine. Young blood. Um, don't want to offend you if you're a crip. It, it's, a, it's a term from a movie. Calm down. Um, New Jack City, if I recall. But anyway, he... He has a boxing podcast. He has a lot of followers, and so he's he's very popular, but he appears to be part of what they call the LDBC. I don't know that to be true. Maybe not, um, but he's clearly a Crawford fan, and he was talking about the, the whole smoke with Crawford. Apparently, I haven't seen any direct evidence from the source of this, apparently going after Charlo Castaño winner and saying, screw Errol Spence, I'm just going to move to 154 and do the thing. And I want to kind of put some perspective around this because I think there's a lot of people kind of falling for the okey-doke, as I like to say. So Terrence Crawford has said before, you know, I'm going to go 154 and I'm tired of 147 and I'm all this. And I believe it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors from Mr. Number One Pound for Pound that's just talking. And he's trying to basically appeal to the fans because he can't do it any other way. But this podcaster, he was talking about the fact that, you know, we're, we called out, you know, Mickey Bagrees and all this and all. That's great. But it strikes me that this young man, he's a fine young man. I don't think anything negative of him, but it's clear that potentially because of his age, he doesn't understand the business of boxing. So I figured I would put up something that talks about the business of boxing and why what he was saying makes no sense whatsoever to somebody who does understand the business of boxing and somebody who's a little bit older like I am. He was talking about the fact that Spence should basically, quote, do whatever it takes, that he should just, whatever it is, you know, just let's do 50-50, whatever it is to get the fight. Let's just go get the fight. Whatever I got to give away. Let's be clear here, dude. If you were in Errol Spence's position, you do the same thing Errol Spence is doing, but because you're not in this position, you're coming across like a mark because you're speaking like a mark because you don't know what you're talking about. In this one situation, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me break it down for you. Errol Spence has two belts. Each belt charges a sanctioning fee. Errol Spence has his own promotional company, Man Down Promotion, so he has money going out for that. Errol Spence has a tax bill that goes up the more money he makes, so that goes out there. Errol Spence has to pay money back through TGB to support the promotional efforts, so that's money going out there. Errol Spence also has to take care of his family. Errol Spence has bills. Regardless of all that, Errol Spence is the draw at 147. This cannot be refuted. You can call out your Boots Ennis's all day long. Boots Ennis is not a draw. Nobody knows who he is. You like him as a fan, as a mark, because you like his exciting fight style, which to me, as I said, just reminds me of Adrian Brody when he cares. I see nothing spectacular about him. Is he skilled? Sure. But to put him on this level and say, you should be fighting Boots, you should be fighting Boots like everybody does on NSB, to me, screams mark. So don't do that because you need to recognize the game. Errol Spence has two titles. He is the top guy at 147, has been for a while. Unfortunately, he had his accident. Unfortunately, he has injuries. However, he fought Danny Garcia with an injury and almost blew him out. Eight rounds. The same Danny Garcia, Crawford didn't want to fight. We can talk about what was offered. The truth is Crawford didn't want to fight him because by your own logic, Crawford should have just given Danny whatever he wanted, and he didn't. So we have to get away from this narrative of just make the fight, just make the fight, because in the business of boxing, 
whoever's the A side in any sort of the engagement calls the shots and they're going to say what that person's going to earn. He didn't pay a whole bunch of money to the ghost of Amir Khan either, did he? That same Terrence Crawford refused to fight prime Amir Khan, that same prime Amir Khan that Danny Swift took out in four rounds at 140. So Crawford says, well, I beat Amir Khan. Yes, but you bought a, you beat a lesser version of Amir Khan that was fresh off getting killed by Canelo Alvarez, or nearly so. We think his soul left his body regardless. The point is Crawford has fought guys way after the cell date. The only notable win on his record right now is Sean Porter, and that's because Sean Porter at that time, there was nowhere, there was no decline. Sean Porter was fresh off a blowout 12-0 against Sebastian Formella, who was the IBO champion at the time and undefeated. A beautiful display. Porter himself has said, power has been my stall point. I haven't been able to generate that power like I think would have made the difference, and I agree with that. But regardless... Sean Porter took five, six rounds easily off Terrence Crawford. I don't care what the scorecard says. Watch the fight. Crawford might have won round two in that fight. Other than that, Sean Porter was giving him the business, and it was a beautiful display. And it wasn't that Crawford stopped Sean Porter. It's that Porter lost focus. Porter lost composure. Katie Porter tossed the towel. Katie Porter had told the world, if I see things ain't going the way we want, I will stop the fight. I got no problem with that. So, no, I give that credit win to Crawford because I said, if you can get Kenny Porter tossed out, that counts for you, dude. Yeah, but let's not make it out like a spectacular win or victory. It was not. Sean Porter was there. He was game. It was a beautiful matchup, and we don't know what would happen if it went all the way to 12. We can talk about the drops all we care to, but we've seen time and again fighters to get dropped, and then they come back and pull it out. Getty Ward trilogy. So, no, I don't, yes, I rate that win, but no, I don't rate Crawford at 147 yet because he hasn't shown in any of the fights. Kell Brook, he was outboxed every single round prior to that stoppage. Amir Khan, he's getting jabbed to hell prior to that stoppage. Cavalaskis, he gets two-piece, wobbled and dropped. The ref made a mistake, and then he starts holding and hitting because he's frustrated because he got dropped. Jose Benavides, he's dropping at least four rounds off the jab, off the range against a one-legged fighter. The only one he blew out was Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn was at a disadvantage because Crawford faked a hand injury that delayed the initial version of the fight and delayed Horn's fight camp and threw things out of whack, refused to fight Horn in Australia with Mark Nelson as the ref under the same conditions that Manny did to prove that, you know, I can go overseas and do that. Why did he refuse? Because the last time Crawford had gone overseas, Ricky Burns. I would argue, so for those people that are listening, saying he just Crawford hater. Ricky Burns, Crawford, that was the... That was the fight that put me on Crawford the first time. I saw a brilliant fighter. I saw an amazing fighter. I saw a highly skilled fighter. You know why? In hindsight, when he was on Ricky Burns' home turf, he couldn't fight dirty. He couldn't do the illegal shit he was doing. He had to fight by the book. The ref held him accountable, which we don't see when he's fighting on home turf. So we're able to see he's forced to fight brilliantly which he's not done at 147. Just because you get a stoppage doesn't mean anything when you're dropping four or five rounds against the ghost of Kell Brook. I'm not impressed. But in the fight against Ricky Burns, that was the best of Crawford, easily. And that's the kind of fighter I wanted to see go in there at 147 and fight Sean Porter. We didn't see that fighter because he was too busy. Keith Thurman, Keith, once upon a time, Thurman called it out. He was twitchy. He was trying to get that that counter hook, and he wasn't able to get it because Sean is just an arc coming in instead of the stylistic brilliance we saw against Ricky Burns. So, no, it's not that I don't rate Terrence Crawford. It's that I see when he's taking out his comfort element, when he is forced to fight under fire like a Sean Porter, 
he is he is able to turn and turn the game. But that was really Bomack telling him, "Hey, stay calm, stay composed, don't lose it." Because we knew if he loses his temper, he was going to get caught, and he was getting caught up through round six. But as he fought Ricky Burns on foreign territory, he was brilliant because he had to be because he was not able to fight dirty. He was not able to resort to those street fighting techniques that we do see from him on occasion. That's the Crawford I've wanted to see since he went to 147, and I've not seen it by and large with the possible exception, possible exception of Jose Benavides. So for me, I don't rate it, and I don't see anybody else that should rate it. However, he's a title holder, is Crawford. The challenge is his own promoter at the time went on the air and told the world that he lost so much money he could have built a house in Beverly Hills, next house. And so now, how can we make the case that he should get a fight against Errol Spence, much less for anything less than 60-40? We can't because he has no stock because his promoter cut him off at the knees, number one. He's made a lot of money fighting lesser opposition. Let's tell the truth. But number three, he doesn't want to promote you called out that you went on, I believe it's Blue Blood's show, and decided to confront them because they were saying something about you. And if you want to come and talk to me, that's cool. I want the smoke. But the thing is, you're praising the fact that you did that, that you went on an adversarial podcast and confronted it. Terrence Crawford went on the air and specifically said he refuses to give any more interviews to anybody who's not, quote, with him, who doesn't, quote, support him. He wants an echo chamber. He doesn't want the smoke. When you promote yourself, go back to old day Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather versus Sean Bay Mitchell. He does an HBO. He's talking to Larry Merchant outside. He is talking to somebody that has never really been a supporter, a full supporter of him. Somebody that respects him, but not a full supporter of him. And he's taking the smoke and he's responding. Floyd Mayweather against Brian Kenny. Brian Kenny is hitting him with all sorts of adversarial stuff. And Floyd just takes it and handles it and deals with it. That's how you promote yourself. You put yourself over. You put yourself over and say, no, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to handle it. Not just go to those ones who just bow down to you and kiss your ass, because when you do that, people can see through you. Real ones see through you. We see that you're running from the smoke. You're not running to it. People say, well, he's already made the case, and he confronted Spence in face-to-face, and nothing happened, da 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 We can blame Bob Aaron for that because we found out near the end Crawford, from his own mouth, said, no, Bob could not make the Spence fight. Hear what he said. Bob could not make the Spence fight. Why could Bob not make the Spence fight? That had nothing to do with PBC because Bob Aaron was able to make Fury Wilder three freaking times. So let's be true here, okay, and understand what really happened. What really happens here, we've got a Terrence Crawford who unfortunately was stuck on his own decision with a promoter that was not willing to give because he had already given money to try to put this guy over against guys. He did everything he could to try to promote using whatever was left of Khan's fans, whatever was left with Brooks fans, whatever was left with Horn's fans. And then he figured that the Sean Porter fight would be the, the big one, that he would do it and we would get this point. We would finally get this thing sold. But the truth is, it was the ghost of Kell Brook. It was the ghost of Amir Khan. It was not in Horn's home turf where his fans would be. We're dealing with a pandemic where people can't travel. So no matter what, Bob Arum, instead of paying, I think he said $6 million for the con fight, it's a joke to me, instead of stacking all these millions for all these lesser fighters, how about you save $2 million per fight, and now you got $10 million you can make the fight with Errol Spence. Bob Arum didn't want to do that. Do you know why Bob Arum didn't want to do that? Because Bob Arum knew that if you put Crawford in there against the version of Errol Spence, 
that fought Danny Garcia. I don't think I don't think Crawford wins that fight, and that was after he was injured. Let's be honest here. We need to be recognizing the business of boxing. The business of boxing is all about the money that people draw and all about the money people spend. And there's a lot of spend when you are a champion, more than you might think. But one guy's a draw, one guy's not in most situations. We see that now with Tank Davis versus Raleigh Romero that's about to happen. Tank Davis is a draw. It doesn't matter what you think about the dude. He's a draw. He draws money in Vegas. He always will draw money in Vegas. Whether Floyd's there or not, it doesn't really matter. The guy draws money in of himself. Isak Cruz has now been put in a position where he got the fight on that replace, and now he'll draw money. Independent people want to see him fight. That's how the boxing game works. That should tell you the obvious answer here, dude. The obvious answer is that Crawford should take less money to go up against somebody who is a stronger A-side than him to give him that exposure he needs in order to sell the Spence fight stronger. That was supposed to be the Porter fight. However, the problem is, is that in the meantime, Spence was already making moves to try to get Manny Pacquiao. Spence is injured. He has to pull out. Manny fights Jordanius Ugas. Jordanius Ugas is the champion, but the WBA is conspiring to try to get the belt back to Manny, which was a joke. Jordanius Ugas goes in there and puts on a boxing clinic against Manny Pacquiao. He basically used Floyd's strategy better than Floyd did. Beats Manny Pacquiao. There's no question he beat Manny Pacquiao. Retires Manny Pacquiao. If you go look at the numbers of that fight, it didn't draw half nothing. So Ugas now going forward is going to be considered a draw. But at the time, nobody regarded Jordanius Ugas, and they wanted to see Spence and Pacquiao. That was the big fight. Didn't happen. Now here we are. Spence is making moves to unify. He's always wanted to unify. But there's an order of operations. Ugas was here first. Pacquiao was here first. These guys were willing to do what was necessary for greatness, which is you need to join the PBC because the PBC opens doors for these fights to happen. The only exception to that rule is Keith once upon a time Thurman, and that's because Keith once upon a time Thurman was ducking Errol Spence when Spence didn't have a belt. So now that we've got this mix, it's not about a Boots Ennis. It's not about a Virgil Ortiz. It's not about Abdukakarov who just took a loss that he shouldn't have. It's not about any of those guys yet. We still haven't solved the question. And here's one point I do agree with Thurman. Don't go crowning a top dog when we still got so much smoke going on. We need to figure out what happens with Spence and Ugas. I maintain it's not guaranteed that Spence beats Ugas. We think he should because Spence is that quality of a fighter and Ugas, is he's lost before, but it's always been close. We think it should be a Spence win. We can't guarantee it. I argue it's a, I think that's a 50-50 fight in, in the styles, in the boxing styles, inside the ring. It's a 50-50 fight. It's not 50-50 outside the ring at all. Spence is clearly the A side. In that ring, I think you're going to see stylistically a brilliant fight between those two. I don't suspect you're going to see a blowout from Spence. I think it's going to be a brilliant fight, and it's going to tell us a lot about Errol Spence and where he's at. Imagine if Ugas beats Errol Spence. Just imagine that. Ugas beat Crawford in the AMs. Now you have a very compelling story to tell with the right promoter. Top rank was not that promoter. PBC is that promoter. But we needed to get there, and we needed to tell the story. The only people who really care about Spence Crawford right now are the hardcore fans, and that's only because of the trash talk. There's nothing really fundamental behind it. We can look at Crawford fighting leftovers at Errol Spence and leftovers at Canelo, but that's not, that's not going to sell it. That's not going to really tell us much 
only the Sean Porter fight. And that one was derailed slightly because Kenny Porter stopped it when we didn't know what was going to happen. It should have been allowed to go the full duration. So we don't really know. We haven't solved that. All we saw is Crawford getting outboxed for six rounds from Spence, outboxed for four rounds from Kilbrook, outboxed for five rounds from Amir Khan. Like, that's all we've seen is him getting outboxed, and then somehow he's able to switch it up and stop him, but he's getting outboxed prior to this. He can't get outboxed against Errol Spence because he's not going to stop Errol Spence. He's not going to blitz Errol Spence that same way. Guaranteed. I'm not trashing Terrence Crawford. I actually think Terrence Crawford's a good fighter. I just don't think he's this pound for pound that everybody makes him out to be. I think he believes his own hype. I think he's a coward for not going on adversarial podcasts and confronting those questions and saying, look, we want to understand it and actually ask, ask an answer. I would love to ask him the question. I want to understand, dude. I want to understand why it was okay to take $3 million and $4 million and $6 million for these fights that you fought against lesser fighters instead of telling your promoter, no, just stack those bills, pay me $1 million per, pay them a little bit extra to get them in the ring, pay me $1 million per, stack the money, and then when come time, make the fight with Earl Spence. I want to understand why that could not have happened. Why did that happen? I want to understand why he re-signed with top rank back when he was early in 147. Why did you do that? When you became WBO, why did you re-sign with top rank instead of immediately going to PBC where the smoke was? Because at that time, remember, you had undefeated Keith once upon a time Thurman. You had Danny Swift was still in the mix. You had Sean Porter, who was WBC champion. Errol Spence is IBF champion. So now you got multiple options. He could have easily gone over there and tangled up with Keith Thurman. That would have been an amazing fight that would have elevated him immediately to the point where you can no longer hold off against fighting Spence. Then I would have asked him, when Tessera was the champion at 154, WBO, he had a guaranteed shot because he was WBO champion 147. He had a guaranteed shot at Tessera if he wanted. Why didn't you go up and just take that belt from Tessera, make some noise at 154, even if you don't plan to stay there? That's what Canelo's doing. Canelo, as a result of doing this, he's getting more notoriety. People have talked about it. It's about, the, Keith talked about it too. When you have a belt to the casual fans, and this is also misunderstood from certain of the hardcores out there, the podcasters, the casual fans hear champion, 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 champion. And to them, it's okay. I got to dial in and see this. It's a champion. We know that are in the, in the industry itself and watch it. We know that the championship situation has been diluted. There's no same value as it used to be of being a champion because there's too many belts, but it is true that a casual they're, they're scrolling through the list of fights and they don't know which one to pay attention to. And they see, oh, there's champions fighting over here. Might as well watch the championship fight. It's got to be something good. There's a logic to that. And so, yes, him having the WBO belt helps a little bit. But imagine what it would have been if he had two belts. He has a belt in 147. He still fights in main and defends that one. He goes to 154, beats Tessera before Tessera lost. Because I think that would have been an easy win for Crawford beating Tessera. Easy win. Beat to Sarah, you're now WBO champion in two different weight classes. Now you have a story to tell. It's bigger than Errol Spence because you are fighting and defending in two different divisions, just like Canelo's doing. It's like take inspiration from the guys who have done it and successfully made a name for themselves doing it. That's Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez, amongst others, but they're the big ones. Why aren't we doing that? Why I would ask him, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you go out to Sarah? I get it. Spence, 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 Spence. To get the Spence fight and to convince promoters it's worth doing, you've got to show more than what you're doing. 
All you're going off of is skill in the ring. There's more to it in the business of boxing. And I want to understand, why didn't you do that? Because I believe you'd have blown Tessera out of the water and it would have made a huge statement. Because now it's like, oh, we got a new threat at 154. Now, during the run, where you got guys like Arislandi Lara, who was still there at the time, that's a compelling fight. Like, there was all sorts of opportunities to make a name and just keep going, making that name and just take belts to where Spence would have no choice but to start going after you because now you've surpassed him with a hard aggression. He was doing that at 140, but for whatever reason, at 147, he just stopped and then he blamed Bob Arum. I do think Bob Arum's part to blame, but we also have to acknowledge why he didn't go to 154 when he had the chance to. So to me, no, I don't think Spence just give away the pony just because it's not a charity, it's a business. In the business of boxing, the A side makes more money and they dictate the split. It's up to the B side to understand his position as the B side and accept whatever, just like Floyd did against Oscar De La Hoya. You accept whatever you need to in order to make the fight happen as a B side. Crawford is the B side. He is not the A side. When he's going up against, let's say, Keith Thurman, Crawford is the A side. So why don't you fight him? If he were going against Danny Swift, he is the A side. Why don't you go against him? Why aren't you going against these ones? If you want the A side pay, go against the draws the people who can draw money in there as the A side to make a name for yourself so you can justify 60-40 or 50-50. Right now, I don't see it. Right now, I see 70-30, maybe 65-35 in favor of Errol Spence because he has two titles. If Spence goes out there and unifies against Jordanius Ugas, how can you possibly justify anything more than 70-30 at that point? Because he'll have three freaking belts. And if Spence and Ugas tangle it's a strong probability the ring's going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to crown a new ring champion at 147, which we haven't had since I believe Floyd retired. So now you get a whole new belt and a whole new credibility in the mix. And as I said, the person who holds the ring is largely regarded as the lineal champion because Ugas is considered number three because he beat Manny Pacquiao, who was number three. And ring's terms say, we will regard that if the one and three fight because one and two can't. Okay, now it's a whole different ballgame. Now you got to recognize Errol Spence is the top dog and he deserves to call out whatever split he wants. It's on Crawford to accept whatever split he gets in the short term. If he doesn't like it, fight somebody else that's willing to fight him. Keith Thurman, I'm sure, is willing to fight him, assuming it gets past Barrios, which isn't guaranteed. But let's say he does. Keith, I think, will fight Crawford. I think he wants one get back, and I, I believe Keith would fight Crawford because he wants a belt, and that would be an opportunity. Go after Keith. Keith is a draw. Keith will pull people in. And I don't believe this narrative of 10 million because Keith doesn't give a number. So you got to be realistic. You are the A side because you're the belt holder. Just put that out there. Yes, he draws more tickets, but one is the belt holder. One is the champion. It's going to be a little bit harder because you chose not to join with the PBC. So maybe you should join PBC like Canelo did on a short-term deal, like Manny did on a short-term deal. Make the fights happen so that we can solve these questions and then start eliminating some of these other ones that's out there. If Crawford fights Keith Thurman and takes Keith Thurman out, especially if he's able to stop Keith Thurman, which I don't think is guaranteed, but let's say he does, that means he'll have fought the guy that Spence won't fight. He'll have beaten the guy that Spence won't fight, and it gets people chattering, and now you have no no choice but to make that fight next, and it's more compelling. It still doesn't justify a bigger payday, and no, Spence is not a charity. He shouldn't just give money away. At the end of the day, Crawford has to do more in order to justify any sort of higher split than what he's done and not just sit on the laurels of the one belt. He's got to go after more belts, not just 
the I like I question why he didn't go against Ugas when he had a chance. That would have been a great way to get two belts. And now it's two on two. Now you can justify possibly 60-40. At this point, I'm not critical of Crawford the fighter. I'm critical of Crawford from a business perspective, saying he deserves the thing when he hasn't earned the thing. It's not about what he did at 135. It's not about what he did at 140. It's about the business of boxing now. What have you done lately? And the answer for him is only one thing, Sean Porter. Spence did that. He already did that. Done. And he took a belt from Sean in that fight. So it's different than beating Sean who didn't have a belt versus beating Sean who did have a belt, I believe. And I think Crawford just made the wrong moves because there was Ugas who was out there. That didn't happen. I would have loved to see that fight. Keith, when he had a title, that was out there. Didn't happen because he re-signed with the freaking top rank, and I don't know why he did that. Tessera at 154. Didn't happen. Don't know why. He could still go to 154, and I think he would make waves there. I think he would have strong fights against guys. Like, I don't think he deals with Charlotte that well, but I think Castaño's a good fight for Crawford. And I don't know why he doesn't want to just say, you know what, I'm going to just go after guys. I'm going to stop focusing on this one because he said in interviews he's done focusing on Spence, and yet he keeps coming back to that from the fans, the hardcore fans. He said he's done with it. Okay, let's see that. And let's see you go and make a legacy for yourself like Canelo Alvarez is doing. So that's my thoughts on it. And I'm just putting out there, in the business of boxing, as a fighter, you got to understand, you got to go after it. You can't expect it to be handed it to you, and you can't just rest on your laurels of old fights and old back in the days. That doesn't work. It didn't work for Danny Swift. Danny Swift didn't get any favors when he was fighting uh, excuse me, Porter for the vacant WBC at 147 simply because he sparked out Amir Khan for the lineal at 140. Nobody cared about it at that point. We move on. We, got, we gauge what you're doing in the division you're at at the time. We don't give Canelo excess credit because he got titles at 154. Now it's past. It's done. It's old. We can look at his loss, which was Floyd, and we can criticize why he lost, and we can say he's going to lose again. He hasn't yet, right? So we can look at the Kovalev fight, but he doesn't stay in that division. We have to judge based on the division you're fighting at at that time. And we have to weigh it based on the division you're fighting at at that time. And if the truth is, Crawford hasn't shown us anything at 147 we didn't already know. In fact, he showed us less because he's getting outboxed more at 147 than he ever did at 140. And I want to see more of him. I want to see him go after some of these other easy-touch belts that are still champions. They're still top-rated champions, but they're easy for him to go and make a name by getting these belts and do follow Canelo's pattern. He's showing you what the best way to do it is and ignore the critics because at the end of the day, Canelo's getting paid and that's what we all are here for to do in the boxing business.